0: I'm going to start this discussion off, and then uh, Pastor Daniel can can help me as we move forward. So, white or majority privilege or guilt is is a topic, and I'd like to start by trying to frame this. In its probably most um, simple sense, the argument is that by virtue of living in a Western country, in this country, because of our past histories of injustice, that all the Caucasians in this country, um, whether they're aware of it or not, are recipients of tremendous privilege. And by using that privilege, we mistreat or assume or take advantage of others. We ought to regret or repent or confess or at the very least be aware of that privilege. And if you deny that, you're said to just not see it or be blind or part of the... Anyway, how, what do we, and, I, and I don't mean to straw man things, but something like that is being put forward or argued or something stronger than that. And I think there's some truth to it, and there's something very wrong about it. So if I, as I've tried to listen to people making these claims, saying this, I try to think, I do this a lot with people, how would you say that biblically? Like, whatever's true of this, whatever's right of this, how, how would you put this biblically? How would you be... That's a good way to come at this. Open your Bible to Psalm 103. Open your Bible to Psalm 103. Here's my best attempt to take what's right. And I want to start with what's right about white privilege and what's trying to be said. What I think might be trying to be said. I want to start with what we should receive and then give it a really severe critique of the parts that I think are corrupt or unhelpful. But I I think in its best cases you could say something like this. Psalm 103. So my, my attempt to frame in, with truth in a good way what I think is being said or what I think is worth receiving as being said is this. We are all recipients of varying degrees of blessings and benefits from God. And if you take privilege and flip it into blessing, which I think would be a fair thing to do. Then I think what I'd say is Perhaps those charging us with privilege are saying, you have blessings, many of them, and you have forgotten and become unaware of them. This psalm calls us to not forget the benefits. The clear implication is a danger we can presume upon our blessings. Now, the reason I want to flip it to blessings is blessings we, we all receive in varying degrees. Now, many today are only looking at blessings along gender, race, sex, orientation lines, but there are all types of blessings. There's redemptive blessings, like I'm, I'm not going to hell. There's the blessings of living in the 21st century. There's Western blessings. There's two-parent home blessings. There's education blessings. There are all sorts of blessings. There are full health-able-bodied blessings. There there are numerous blessings along a myriad of axes, not simply limited to, to race, sex, gender, and orientation. And we should not forget those. We should not presume upon them. And if we are, and we are interacting with people with far less blessings than we are, that's a bad thing. And so maybe, what I hope, the best part of this is someone saying, if I were to translate this right, what I think should be received from this is, hey, um, it seems like you, and a lot of people like you, have a f- lot more blessings than others. And it appears you may have forgotten that. It would be a good thing for you to remember your blessings and act accordingly. And if that's what's being said, amen. Amen. Absolutely. Um, that, that is a good Warning for us. In fact, turn to 1 Corinthians. Is it 1 or Second Corinthians? Who makes any difference among you? That, that's 1 Corinthians 3, right? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is rebuking the Corinthians, and he rebukes them for precisely this ignorance. They've forgotten it's God who makes distinctions, <clears throat> it's God who um, makes them difference. Or is it four? Is it four? Um, I, sh- I thought I should have written this one down. I thought to myself before I came, I should write this one down. Um, who makes any distinctions among you? Somebody? Anyone? Bueller? Um, is it Second Corinthians? Maybe it is is Second Corinthians. Hold on one sec. What?
1: Not sure exactly which passage you're looking for.
0: Who makes any parents distinguish among you? If God makes it distinguish, why do you boast as if you did it to yourself? Oh,
1: that's
0: 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, 2 Corinthians and. Give me one second here. Most embarrassing. I thought for sure it was 1 Corinthians. Um, do you remember what chapter in 2 Corinthians? No. See, I, see, I thought it was three as well, man. Hold on. Um do First Corinthians four seven. Jacob to the rescue. All right. Bingo! There you go. Oh, um. nice. Okay. For, what, for who sees anything different in you? What, you? what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So there is a danger of, a of failing to recognize the gifts we've received from God. And instead of viewing them as blessings, as graces, as unwarranted, unmerited, undeserved blessings, which we give thanks for and humbles us, we think we deserve it. And then we act like that. And so if what's being put forward with white privilege is simply saying, hey, I think it's entirely possible that you are, or forget, I'll speak in stronger terms. It certainly appears as though you are not mindful of your blessings and benefits. You are not aware that they've been given to you, and you, you act as though you deserve them, and you act as though those without them deserve to not have them. And, and that's wrong. If that's what's being said, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Um, What I find tremendously unhelpful about the way it's presented is that by putting it in terms of privilege, you flip blessings, things we should be thankful for, into causes for envy and for things for which you should feel guilty for. If, if, on the other hand, people are putting forth the notion you need to feel guilty about your privilege, you need to lament and mourn your blessings, then what you're saying, I think, is you need to feel guilty of your blessings. And I think that's wicked. We need to be thankful for our blessings. We need to be grateful for our blessings. We need to be humbled by our blessings. God does not bless us so that we would feel guilty. So that distinction, I I think, is critical. Greg? Greg?
2: There seems also to be, a, I believe, a misunderstanding that blessings are a zero-sum game. Right. So that if I have blessings, I have somehow intentionally or unintentionally taken it from someone else Mm. who now doesn't have blessings or privilege uh, because I have it. And that causes, I believe, wrongful jealousy or or uh, anger at those who have, I mean, you look at, you see it all the time that people uh, say, well, a person, no person should make that much money. Uh, that that person should divvy it all up and give it to those who make less. Uh, that suggests that because that person makes so much money, then others rightfully or wrongfully cannot make what they deserve. And I think that's uh, a fallacy.
0: Right. Well, I think a former presidential candidate said, you don't make a billion, you take a billion. That was the quote that stuck in my head. The assumption that, yeah, if, if I've got something, it's only because I took something from someone else. And, and and when it's framed in this way, you're dealing with, with uh, it's viewed entirely in regards to power. Privilege really means power. So white power, white privilege, these are areas of power. And then the whole notion of power is that, that, of course, power is taken from the weak and used to oppress, and you start plugging it into those things. And it's possible that mindless of my blessings, I presume and lord them over others, but, but I, I think it's so pernicious that it's something that we should be thankful for, and you can really talk about blessings. Like we have so, I grew up in a home with both parents. Just the blessing of that, you want to look statistically, at how that affects crime, education rates, and things. The fact that I had two parents in my home, huge blessing. I grew up in a a, a text-rich home. I'm going to use different categories than the the ones that are most put forward. The fact that books were readily available. You you want to look at correlations, huge. I was born in New England. Sorry, uh, New England's... Um, uh, Just the fact that I was born in this century... The, the poorest people in our country live like kings compared to the kings of four centuries ago. Just think of indoor plumbing, right? I mean, you don't... you ever watched the movie The Lion in Winter and King Henry gets up and he has to break the ice on his water bowl because that's how cold his room is? He's a king, right? Um, so so the part that I... So what I want to basically say, and I'll probably spend a fair bit critiquing... I've I'll I'll saved the majority of stuff for you. I'll give that all to you, man. Um, the explaining. The part we should receive though, and this is where you've got to be careful to think through things. The errors to be like, I don't think that's framed right, so I'm going to forget it. It may well be that people are saying very poorly, y- you and people like you for a long time have taken your blessings for granted, assumed you deserve them, and acted in a way that is not mindful of them towards people with far less blessings. I think that's a good word to hear. I think that's a good exhortation to consider. That's a good self-examination to undergo. And I think it's entirely possible that we've done that. And where we have, we, we should repent. We should confess that. We should humble ourselves. Um, yes, Deb. Oh, sorry. Bennett, yes.
3: Um. Actually, I have a... Um thought in the book of job you know he had everything and then you know the story of the book of job where the devil went up to god and said let's play a test on the wealthiest guy on earth and see if he you can take everything he has and see if he still believes in you. And he got so poor, and he still believed in him.
0: Yeah, he said, and he saw that, that God had not been unjust to him. Shall we receive blessing from the Lord, and not also ill?
3: They have a part in the book of Job, where he says, I was born in, um... Earth, when I, when I was um, a baby, naked, 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 I came
1: from my mother's womb.
3: I shall become naked again.
1: Naked, naked I shall return. return. Yeah, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, is that
0: right?
3: That's right. I'm sorry, my um, seizure was started. Come on.
0: Okay. Thank you, Bennett Deb. Bennett, Bennett, let me go to Deb and then we can come back. So hold, hold on, hold on.
2: Well, my thing was at, uh, following your thinking, uh, following your thinking about being aware of our blessings, yeah. and then I guess my big thing is also. After that, then the twist is in our marketing USA that you get all the mailings, and because you have been blessed, you must, and it's an obligation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. Something's wrong with that in my mind, yeah. but we'll see what the Bible has to say.
0: Yeah. And let me make one clarification. As Christians, we must be generous. That's not optional. What is optional is where you choose to be generous, where you choose to be gracious, where you choose to be liberal and lavish. And that's where I can't say, you, you see this ministry, you need to give to this ministry. And, and so I want to be clear, we are under obligation as Christians to, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is going to be generosity, right? There's a freedom of where I want to pour my resources and time that, that you can't direct If I want, I'm really just passionate about this people group or about this ministry or about this area over here. And like, I got nothing to say to that if you're acting in faith. So you aren't free to not be generous. But you are free to be generous where you, seems good to you, where where it pleases you. Um, And and I can't put you under compulsion. And somebody can't come up and say, hey, you have more than me and I got this ministry, so you need to give to me. No, that doesn't, those, those dogs don't hunt. Um, but yeah. Okay. Oh, back to Bennett. You got you got your thought together, Bennett. Okay. Then we gotta move on.
3: I'm so sorry. I would have said this earlier, mm. but um, I remember in Adam and Eve where they had everything, but they learned if you don't trust in God you get everything taken away from them.
0: Well, yeah, they didn't trust God and they got thrown out of the garden. And yeah.
3: it's all because of Eve going up to um you know the part where God said don't eat it from the apple tree and um um I love this book because it's one of my favorites. Excellent. And um Eve picks one of. Yeah. Um, actually, she gets tricked from a snake, yes. and that's the devil. Yeah. And um, he says, "I spoke to God, and he said it's okay. You can pick one of those apples."
0: Bennett, ben, can we move on?
3: I'm sorry. I'll, no, no, I'll make fine, it you're quick. Fine, you're okay. are fine. You're fine. And then <laughs> you can pick an apple and you can bite it. And she bit it and she goes to Adam and said, taste this apple, it's delicious. And the uh, God came from in the heaven and said, I told you not to pick from that apple tree. You could have had any other fruit, but you had to pick that apple. And you listened to that snake. Yes. And the snake got took in his feet, yep. because they listened to that snake.
0: Okay, I, I got to get through more material, Bennett. You're, you're no, no, no. You're, you're right. You're, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Um, I, I, Before I move on to the next thing, do you want to add anything to what I've said so far, Daniel, on developing blessings versus privilege?
1: The I think the Lord. You go back to the parables of the talents, um, the minas. The Lord distinguishes, makes, makes us different in many ways. And I think there's a legitimate sense in which that is a test. For the Lord wants to see what are we made out of? What are we going to do in response? And the wicked, corrupt response to wealth and prosperity is see what I have done. I am so much mightier, so much stronger than everyone else. That's the wicked and corrupt way to respond to it. Instead, to acknowledge that our blessings come from the Lord, to give him glory, to humble ourselves before him, and therefore to be generous to the poor, to help those in need. Uh, that's what the Lord wants from us. And so that's, I think, critical as we approach these discussions. The, the world doesn't understand these categories at all. Um, they just they they see it as a political or economic you know w- evil yeah. and it's that's not it. The Lord's revealing what's in our heart for His own glory and for purposes of judgment. Um, that's about all I've got to add. I didn't add much, but just right. to emphasize. You're,
0: you're. <laughs> so I want to look at um, one more passage in Matthew twenty. Again, mistakes that can happen when we when we. Uh, confuse justice categories, generosity categories, when we look at blessings and view them as power plays. Um, This is a parable Jesus told, um, and uh, he says this in verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you, go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And on receiving it, they grumbled, the master of the house, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last workers I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? or do you begrudge my generosity and i just want to point out with the internal logic of this passage the vineyard owner and jesus speaking this parable distinguishes between justice i am doing you no wrong you did did i not agree with did you not agree with me take what is yours so there's the wage negotiation between the owner and the and the people who worked And he's saying, there's no injustice. We agreed. I gave you what we agreed. It's yours. Take it. It's not a gift. It's yours. You earned it. But they're begrudging his generosity with others. So there's there's a lot more going on in this parable than than this, but I want to zero into the fact that what's going on here is is these people see the master be incredibly generous to some, and yet to them he simply gives them justice. If you're using those grace-justice categories, some people got immense grace here these guys didn't get any grace. They just got what they agreed upon. They got justice. And the vineyard owner's whole point is you have no legitimate complaint. And we want to look at blessings and grace, and we want to even the scales. And if I come in here and give some of you a Snickers bar, i got to give everyone you a Snickers bar. And we want to balance those scales, move them around. And one of the things to be wary of, and this is how framing it, privilege, leads into this, is it will provoke envy and grumbling and discontent when we don't think of it as blessings from God, but either things grabbed by power or privilege. And that's another equal to... So there's a danger for us in not recognizing our blessings, presuming upon them, thinking we deserve them, And treating others not mindful of our blessings. But there's another danger, which is to look at the blessings that God gives to others. Looking at the grace an owner may give to paying some. And to grumble and become angry because that grace doesn't fall on us in the same way. And I think framing things as privilege really leans into people doing exactly this. Um, And then... It, you've taken blessings, which are supposed to be causes for joy and thanksgiving, and turned them into things we apologize for. My wife had an education class where the professor was telling the, the, the teachers statistically um, the, the likelihood of a child doing well and avoiding prison and, and succeeding in going to sc- college and school when their parents read to them is staggering. I mean, the, the difference of outcomes in homes where children are read to, that, that simple factor, the correlation. And he, what he said to the teachers is, it's really such a big deal, you almost shouldn't read to your kids. It's almost unfair. <laughs> so read to your kids, and here's what he said, but feel bad about it. That's literally what this, this trainer said to my wife and the other teachers. This is such an advantage. You're giving your kids such a privilege by reading to them that you almost shouldn't do it, it's not fair. Now, do do it, but at least feel bad about doing it. I, it, it. You take blessings, and you turn them into things to feel guilty for. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, doesn't feel any shame about his privilege of being a Roman citizen. He gets to appeal to Caesar. And when he's mistreated, is this how you treat a Roman citizen? He, he uses his privilege. Right? Um, so, so privilege... Absolutely, we can stumble on taking our blessings for granted, believing we deserve them, we merit them. And if you don't have the same blessings as I do, well, if you just worked harder, if you just been a little better, maybe you'd have the blessings I have. That's wicked. We need to not do that. We need to be mindful of others. But on the other hand, blessings are something we should rejoice in, whether they're for us or for others. And, and we're not to grumble about it or become envious and certainly not to repent of and feel guilty for our blessings, um, which now, b- before we move into the majority privilege, do you want to say anything to any of that? Or
1: I think maybe historically, if we go back and look at white privilege, I think there's a, a reality to uh, a benefit that came from injustice. There was there was real harm done uh, for for you know decades. Um, to the To the blacks, those who were slaves, and then under uh, segregation, real harm done, so you 're not eligible for these jobs you 're not eligible to go to these schools. we will not provide for you in the same way we will provide for these white kids over here. The benefits that came out of that are benefits that were founded on something that 's wrong it was it was unjust to do. Um, Now, having been distanced from that by 50 to 200 years, whatever, it's much harder to link the injustice to what you're going through right now. There's a sense in which, uh, yes, uh, there are benefits that might come from having done that. How you get the line from where we are today, specifically back to segregation, specifically back to slavery... That's really difficult. I think that's something ultimately God's going to, to judge. All the solutions I've heard seem so bizarre and, and uh, indefensible. I, I don't think that that's really possible. But there are legitimate privileges or advantages that whites can have, not all whites, but some whites can have as a result of that injustice. Um, so I, I think at least we've got to acknowledge, yeah, there may very well be many privileges that in some way are connected back to wrongs done to blacks. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not entirely convinced that most of what people mean by white privilege has any direct connection to it, but well, some of it is.
0: When I got this from watching a, a YouTube video with Jordan Peterson, which I thought was helpful, but the, the notion of majority privilege. There are some privileges that simply come by virtue of being part of the majority culture. If you went over to China... You would see people in advertisements who did not look like you. You would hear people talking in advertisements that didn't talk like you. Why? Because part of the majority in any culture is going to its going to favor, simply because that's the way things are done, this way that, uh, that advertisers are going to go for their largest market share. There's nothing pernicious. There's no conspiracy. The majority in a culture are going to find certain blessings just by virtue of being the majority. It, it, it's... Something to be aware of, like another, another blessing, I, I, you know. But it's not a conspiracy and it's not some evil thing.
1: Right. You look around the room right now, there are some people who are struggling to get their feet to touch the ground. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: my daughter, yeah, my daughter is one of them, right? Well, how did we determine the height of a chair? Something like the average height that people will be able to reach the ground on. Well, there could be cultures where that's an inch or two down or an inch or two up. Maybe, maybe not that much, but there's a difference, right? Uh, I, I like uh, Luke Skywalker walking into Yoda's hut. You know, he's always whacking his head on the ceiling because you know that's a privilege of height. If you're if you're really tall, we don't do we have anyone tall enough to hit their head on a doorway? I don't think so. Jonathan might get there someday, I don't know. Um, but there, if you've been around basketball players or really tall people, it is a disadvantage to be that tall in many respects. Why? Because every car that's made is made for a person of such and such a height, and they're outside of that height. <laughs> That's a disadvantage. So the the idea of majority privilege is it's real. There are privileges, but there's no malice behind it. It's just look, we've got to make we can't make fifty different lengths of, of uh, cars or six different heights of doors. We're just gonna do the standard door and those who fall outside of that have a disadvantage. Yeah.
0: Um, any any open this up for any yeah, Lee in the back wants to say something. It's, hold on.
4: Actually, I have a question about something you said in the message. Ooh. You said that um, the Jews uh, I, I, I always want to call them Israelis. Is that the wrong term to yes. use for is it wrong?
1: Yes, okay. Israelites. Okay. Israelis would be well, just vernacular. Okay. That would be talking about people who live in Israel today. That's
4: okay, that's what I thought. Anyway, you said that they're they're they were practicing systemic Oppression and injustice. And I wonder if you... When I, when I hear a systemic, I, I equal it with, equalize it with institutionalized, which means it's in the papers, it's written down, this is how you do it. Did you mean systemic in that sense? I, I meant
0: at certain levels of Israel's corruption before um, the, the Babylonian exile and even some of the things in Jesus' day. It appears this is a common enough practice that whether it's written in law... You don't. So, so it's so common that Jesus comes with the widow who every day would go petition the judge, give me justice. And she has no power, she has no clout, so he ignores her. And so, if the common practice is we ignore poor people when they call out for justice. To the degree that that's the culture, the custom, it's systemic, I would say, even if it's not written in the paper. I mean, a systemic injustice also could be in Esther, the law that the king foolishly agrees to, where on such and such a day, the people can kill and steal from the Jews.
4: But that's, see, that's the difference. What I see is, right. I, I, don't, I wouldn't tend to, I'm, I'm like a picky word person, sure. but I would hate to think of it as systemic in the sense that the law was perfect. The right. people
0: were the... Goofy, yeah, the execution. bad people. Right. Sure. The execution of it, yes.
4: And so, in that same sense, that's why I can't, I'm always kind of frustrated when I hear, oh, systemic racism. I mean, I, I agree, in the old, probably there still are laws on the books that are racist that yeah, say yeah. this or that. But so, I, I feel like sometimes it's a. Sure used as a club to beat people with that's not even a legitimate club.
0: No, no, no. All I'm saying is I'd be willing to say if there was... We we all know in certain organizations there are are agreed-upon unwritten rules or customs. If it was proven, and this gets back to the level of evidence you need, two or three lines of evidence, if you could demonstrate that habitually and regularly and by way of custom, a government office, a police office, a company had a way of doing things that was oppressive and unjust. I'd, I'd say if you could use the word systemic in that sense, even if it's not codified in the paperwork. You would need a sufficient level of evidence to make that claim precisely because it's not written. You'd probably need more evidence. That's a larger claim you're making. But if you could substantiate that this sheriff's department regularly let Canadians go free because we all know they're the good guys, if, and they, they talked about it and stuff, or whatever... Their injustice was... I'd, I'd say, okay, systemic could be a fair use of the term, whatever. That, I, I don't want to... I, I get your point. It's most clearly systemic when it's codified. The, the Jim Crow laws are systemically racist. Um, apartheid, systemically racist. But if you can prove the conspiracy, I'll grant the term. Minimum
1: wage, systemically racist. There you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so Psalm 94, you, your question about the law... Even though the law that God gave Israel was perfectly just and righteous, and no part of that was unjust or racist, though it did result in some privileges to the Israelites, no doubt. Um, even though their written law given to them by God was righteous, they added laws to it. And those laws were not necessarily just or righteous. Uh, just I read this a couple weeks ago, but Psalm 94, um, can the wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute. So they're actually making injustice their statute. We're going to do this unjust thing, and it's going to be legal. So that, and I think Isaiah is speaking to something similar to that, where they actually did right into law their injustices so they could do it legally. That is a, <clears throat> also in most cultures, that is a majority privilege because the majority, assuming the majority has some sort of power, political power, economic power, some sort of power, what are they going to do? They're going to use that power unjustly. They're going to get laws that favor them and, you know, uh, hurt other people. And that's true across the globe. One of the things that I think is helpful in our discussion about racism in America is seeing racism in other countries. And when you when you visit other countries and go to other countries, you start to realize, whoa, it's, it's not just America that has a race problem. It's every culture, every race, every country has racial tensions between different groups. Why is America different? Well, I don't think it's necessarily because of slavery because many other countries are also related to slavery. I think in the U.S. it's so easy because it's black and white. Everyone can see black and white. You, We can't tell the difference, many of us, on a glance between those who are Korean and those who are Japanese. Now, the Japanese and the Koreans can tell at an instant, but we can't. Well, anyone can see the difference between Black and white. And that's one of the reasons why I think U.S. is different, not because it's fundamentally different, because it's visible. Our eyes can see it very easily.
0: Microphone, microphone.
4: I think also a a typical characteristic of our country and kind of what our nation prides itself on, if you will, is that we are all entitled to this, that, or the other, and Having experience in some other cultures, that is not how they view things. There is a healthy dose of I'm not entitled to anything. And so I think when you have a country who's like, no, we're entitled to this right and that right, and we're going to fight till we get it, you're going to see more racism if there's any sort of division, whether, you know, based on color.
1: Yeah, the the sense of entitlement connects directly to the idea of privilege. Uh, it's, It's not no longer a gift. It's something I'm entitled to. I have a right to that. And now, well, I'm not going to give thanks for what I have a right to. And it just nullifies the grace of God.
0: <clears throat> it, it's interesting. I've been, I've, my son and I have been playing uh, historic war games simulating the, the Hundred Years' War between England and France and doing a little reading on it, the, the vitriol and the animosity and the, the, the rude names they'd call each other. And I've asked people, so the, the, the way the British would despise the froggies or the, uh, the the French would despise the limes, as they'd refer to the British. Was that racism? And people are like, uh, pretty sure it is. But, but we're so used to racism being defined only as external characteristics. You wouldn't be able to visibly tell the French and the British apart unless it was by their dress. And yet, here's two nations for 100 years despising, murdering, killing each other, doing injustice to each other, but it, it, it's, it is helpful to look outside of our, you know, but you go down to, uh, to, to where was the, the Hutu and the Hutsi? The Rwanda. Tutsi? Rwanda. They could tell the distinctions, but they're so slight, most onlookers couldn't see it. It would be, I think, as difficult as the French and the British.
1: Well, and you look in the Bible and you see this uh, shibboleth. Mm. Well, why do they have this shibboleth? You guys know the shibboleth idea. Well, it was like a, co- a code word. So we could tell whether or not you're from our tribe. Say this word, shibboleth. Well, people from the other tribe would say, Sibaleth. They couldn't say shibboleth. And so all of a sudden, at an instant, we knew whether or not you were in our tribe. Why is that important? Well, because it tells you you couldn't tell by looking. Say you you all. couldn't see the difference. So you had to get them to
0: talk. In our context, it might be, say you all. It's just different things said differently in different places. We, yeah, we Say were watching foyer.
1: Foyer. <laughs> we, we were watching the Great British Baking Show, and the, the girl took a, a bite of something and said, "Oh, that's better." Uh, that's better, uh. and we thought she said bad, and we're like, "Oh no, that's better." Silent yeah. tea. Yeah. Uh, so you could, you could tell the difference between cultures
0: based on the way that they speak okay we 're over time, granted the sermon you guys you close this out joanna you got you raise your hand? no,, oh, I thought you did oh okay um, so so to frame this out, I would say, my advice to you if someone tells you you 've got privilege is to readily affirm your blessings that you have you 're right. I am a recipient of many blessings, um, and on the one hand, recognize that and and not just recognize it, live in light of that right you, We all know the parable of the the king who forgave a man a large debt and that man went around strangling others. If we're mindful of the blessings and the grace we've received, we will treat others with grace. But don't let people use your privilege as something to make you feel guilty or somehow to hamstring you. Well, because I have privilege, I guess I can't say anything here. Um, that, that's not a right usage of the concept. When, when, when unprivileged cursings become a currency that something's wrong. So readily admit, be aware of your blessings, be mindful of them, live in light of them. When someone tells you you've got, you're right, I'm blessed in many, many ways that go go beyond the color of my skin or my gender or my race or whatever. But mindful of the trap of flipping upside down and turning it to an envy game or a power play. Uh, Everything we've received, we receive from God. And it's from his hand. Yes, in the back. Greg, bring us home.
1: I was going to say, let us be mindful of them and let us live generously in light
2: of Amen.
0: them. Amen. Amen. See you all next Sunday. God bless.